Heritage Media. There are a few people involved when you're buying or selling a property. You, your bank or broker, your real estate agent, and of course the vendors or purchasers and their team of people to help the process along. But one person that you really need and is instrumental in the process is your conveyancer. But what is it that you need from them? What do they need from you? And what do they exactly do? Carly Ford from Experts in Conveyancing, based here on the Central Coast, is with me today to tell us. Hi Carly, how are you going? Good, thank you. Full disclosure for everyone listening, I've purchased and sold a few homes using you as my conveyancer, so we do have a little bit of history. We do. How did you get into it? Uh, Firstly, started off in real estate uh, when I was young and I bought my first home when I was 18 as well. So the property industry has always um, been something I've wanted to do. Uh, A job come up in conveyancing and I thought I'll give it a give it a go. And it was just a six months position, um, but loved it. And um, yeah, just continued on. And that was over 16 years ago. Okay, so, so what job were you doing in real estate? Um, f- first started off in administration and then went to property management. Ah, okay, mm. right. So you just kind of knew what was a, yeah. a bit of the other side. Yeah. What kind of qualifications do you need to get um, into conveyancing? For a licensed conveyancer, um, there is courses that you can do at Southern Cross and also Macquarie University. I did mine at Macquarie University in Ryde. Um, you can uh, you can do it over a four-year period. Um, the minimum is two. Um, I did mine over three years whilst working full-time um, and two years minimum experience to be a licensed conveyancer. So if you're unlicensed, how is that different to licensed? Uh, there's certain documents that you can't sign off on. Um, so to waive a cooling off period or a certificate, which they call 66W, to lock a purchaser into a contract, um, that needs to be signed by a licensed conveyancer. Um, but yeah, so there there are some, you can get into conveyancing without doing the the course. Um, so it's your like property law um, course that you do. Um, but yeah, generally most people would want to deal with a licensed conveyancer. Okay. And what a conveyancer does, it's such an important role in buying and selling. What do you think makes a great conveyancer? Um, I think the key aspect I look at is communication. Um, and also listening to your clients as well. Um, you've got to be a communicator with your um, the client, the real estate agent, um, their brokers, the banks. Um, so there's a lot of parties involved, especially to the other side. So if you're acting for the purchaser, communicating with uh, the vendor's representative and vice versa, if you're acting for the seller, acting with the, communicating with the purchase conveyancer. Um yeah, just listening to your clients as well and just uh, attention to detail, I think. Hmm. Is it harder being a conveyancer for a buyer or a seller or is it pretty much on par? Uh, I think it's on par. When you're purchasing, there's probably a little bit more involved um, uh because you're looking at the contract and those purchasers' specific needs on what they're buying the property for, uh, whereas the seller, obviously, they're, they're wanting to move on to somewhere else. And when people contact you, say if they're buying, what process are they usually at? 
Um, generally, they've most of the time they've already found the property that one they want to buy. Um, they've uh, looked at properties. Um, some of them have made offers already that have been accepted. Um, <laughs> sometimes, <stressful>. yeah, <laughs> sometimes they um, haven't even spoken to their bank or their broker yet to get uh, at least pre-approval. But most of the time, uh, when people start looking, they fall in love with the property, um, and then that's obviously when they call us. Um, the real estate agent will ask them who their conveyancer is and sometimes um, they don't know what a conveyancer is and sometimes they do um, and at that point in time they generally give us a call. Yep and is it something they google do you find most of your businesses through word of mouth? Generally word of mouth Um, I've worked in the area for the last 16 years Um, so um, and even family and friends um, but yeah real estate agents brokers and yeah word of mouth or people that have used me before. And what about the selling process? Do they call you the moment they decide to put their home on the market or is it usually once they've put their home on the market? Uh, Some people do their figures before they go to sell. Um, So they'll ring up, just sort of get a general cost um, and then include sort of agents' commissions. Some people do their figures, but once the sellers decided to um, list the property after they've had a couple of agents out to do appraisals, um, yeah, generally they'll give us instructions straight away because they've already made that decision that they're wanting to go ahead. And speaking of cost, does it cost more for you, for me, sorry, if I'm coming to you, if I'm buying or selling, or is it on par? Uh, Our costs are generally on par. Um, So generally, if you're looking at sort of selling and buying um, around this area, you're looking sort of between sort of 13, 1400. Our prices are pretty competitive um, in this market. And how often do you have, is every seller a buyer and every buyer a seller usually? Uh, Not all the time, no. But yeah, most people do. There's a lot of people that are either just buying investments or selling investments. Um, And so not all the time, not not generally, but they're selling, they're also buying, but probably 50-50. Okay. Now, can you actually explain to me what a conveyancer does? Yes, so the legal term of it is that we uh, transfer the ownership of the title of the property um, into the new purchases or vice versa, um, uh, transfer the ownership of that property into the purchaser's names. Okay, but mm. it's quite involved, right? Yeah, <laughs> a little bit more <laughs> little bit more involved, but technically um, uh, conveyancing is like the legal um, trend, like the word for it to transfer the title of ownership. Okay, and mm. obviously... I know a lot of people think that real estates do that, but real estates help sell the home, mm-hmm. help buy the home, but they can't actually transfer the transfer legal the yeah. deeds. And you're looking at contracts all day, property to property. Do they actually vary a lot or are they very similar? They do. We do do the same thing, but I think each matter is completely different. Um, the client is different. Uh, the property is different. Uh, so... Uh, I do believe each transaction is um, different, but some contracts can be very similar. Um, but yeah, just looking at each transaction is a yeah completely different matter. So if you've never seen a contract, they're big. Yeah, <laughs> they're yeah. what forty, fifty. Yeah, some can some some can be quite true. Yeah, double sided. Yeah, really small writing. Really overwhelming when you read it can be yeah it's really the front page that's pretty important it is um yeah the details on the front page need to be uh correct um sometimes they're a little bit overlooked and that's where some clients can be get a little bit upset when it comes to 
settlement when things are missing or not included in the contract or if there's a, a, a verbal agreement, if it's not in the contract, I can't make it stick. Um, so it's just something that we need to stress to clients as well if there's been an outside verbal agreement that it does need to be in that contract. Mm. And that's actually with the place I just bought recently with the bar fridge. Yeah, that it was verbal, wasn't yes. in the contract. Yeah, so and I imagine that's what it is, isn't it? It's usually the yeah. little things, the the pool vacuum and the yeah, that's that's correct. Yeah, things that have uh, a purchaser would think would be included in a contract um, when it comes to. Uh, in the included in the sale when it comes to settlement day and certain things have been removed or they're not working uh, those little bits and pieces can uh, be a little bit upsetting when people's uh, they're buying and selling and it comes to the settlement day and they're then they promise something and it's not there is it always the standard things though you've got you know having we said bought and sold a few it's things like you don't think about but curtains blinds range hoods all that stuff mm. is TV wall brackets is a good one. Oh, really? <laughs> TV wall brackets. People is want a good them one. or don't want them? Oh, it's uh, that's what you need to ask. People don't think to think that as an inclusion, um, and then they get removed. And some people don't um, sort of patch up the holes and patch up the paint, so then they're left with these ugly wall- holes in the walls. So they're they're a common one at the moment. There you go. Yeah, and, so, not, and non-working air conditioners. Ah. Oh. Hmm. How do you make Everything. sure it's working? You've just got to make sure it's in the contract. Uh, yeah, buy, buy beware as long as the, the if the purchaser's got to check that it's in working condition at exchange because um, a lot of them when they go do your final inspection, well, then they'll go and check the air conditions because it's hard when someone's living in the home to go, you can't go check dishwashers and um, stove elements when somebody's living in the home, um, but everyone does it on their final inspection and then they find out certain things aren't working. So, yeah, they, they cause problems. With the final inspection, it happens usually the day before yeah, or day the morning before. of yep. before you actually go and get your keys to mm. make sure everything is as it was when you originally purchased it. How many people don't do the final inspection? No, everyone would. Yeah. Everyone does? Yeah, everyone does. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And what's the difference between a conveyancer and a solicitor? Uh, solicitors deal with all different types of law. Uh, we specialise in conveyancing law only. So every day we're dealing with people buying and selling, uh, whereas solicitors deal with criminal law, family law. Uh, but yeah, we specialise in conveyancing law. So that's purely the difference. Okay. And the solicitor will also deal in conveyancing law, but it's not their specialty. Uh, I'll sometimes. Sometimes. Yeah. yeah. Depending on that solicitor, if they if they majority do conveyancing. Yeah. Okay. So. What do I need to have organised before I come and see you? If I'm buying a home? Uh, if you're purchasing, um, we best sort of say if you've spoken to a bank or a broker if they're uh, attaining finance um, to first get at least pre-approval. Um, they need that in place, especially at the moment in um, this world that we're living in, the banks are a little bit slow. So firstly, pre-approval. Uh, we need uh, identification as well, just to confirm uh, you're who you are when you're purchasing property. Uh, but they're the main two things when you're buying. When you're selling it is um, identification and if you don't have a mortgage, your certificate of title. Okay. Mm. And we've already spoken about the general cost um, that buyers and sellers on the coast expect to pay for their conveyancer. So there's so many hidden costs when you buy a home and you don't realise it. And it is really important to put away that I always just spent $1,500 for solicitors, legals, then you've got all your other costs. 
is it, does it pay to shop around? Do people actually shop around for their conveyances? Oh, some people um, don't shop around. Uh, if someone's recommended a conveyancer, it's generally um, they take their word for it that they're going to get looked after. Uh, some people do. Um, I'll generally sometimes include costs of pest and building reports for a purchaser as well, just so that they're covering that. Um, and if they're not a first home buyer, just ensure that they're what their stamp duty costs are as well. Some people, um, it's a large cost stamp duty as well, just to make sure they're including that. Same thing if the person's selling as well, just to be mindful of yeah, your agent's commission as well. And we do adjustments of council rates and water rates as well. Because... A conveyancer plays a pretty big part. Like they can slow the process down or they can speed it up. Correct, yeah. Depending. So you really do need someone who's on, on the ball. ball. Mm. And in this market when you've got so many contracts going out so quickly. Mm. Yeah. And yeah. often it's not just a nice calm. It's a race, right? Yes. Some of them can be. Yeah, definitely. How do you manage your day when every single phone call is emotional? It's urgent. They mm. want to know what's going on. I, as soon as I speak to a client, I do try and um, stop what I'm doing as well, uh, listen listen to them as well and um, because, yeah, it can get busy. You don't want to ever feel like you're rushing somebody on, on the phone where you've got a million things to do. Uh, we do have a good program system as well, but I'm a good diarizer and uh, I've got lots of um, notes in my Outlook calendar as well, a pop-up and reminders. Um, but, yeah, you just need to diarise cooling off periods, settlements, new matters coming in, following up banks. Um, but, yeah, just a, I'm a very good um, checklist person. And uh, what's the story? Because having worked in real estate a little while and everything happens at 10 to 5. Yes. <laughs> well, I think a lot of people, they get to the afternoon and they've been doing what they've been doing in their normal day and it gets to the afternoon and then they go, oh, I've forgotten to do this and I haven't called this person and we need this exchanged. And, yeah, so um, it gets quite busy. Nothing exchanges <laughs> at 9.30 no, or 10 no, o'clock. No, 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 no. It's all late in the afternoon, especially, well, a bank's not going to give me, uh, give a client loan approval at 9 o'clock in the morning. They're going to wait till uh, the deadline at uh, yeah, 4. Yeah, 4.55 p.m. Um, so, yeah, everything. And before the weekend as well, a lot of people uh, want to see their uh, property go unconditional or the sold sign go up before the weekend. Mm. Um, some people don't want to have another open home. Um, they want to get it all under wraps as well. So yeah. uh, we are pushing to get contracts exchanged and the banks to issue loan approvals um, to get the properties all wrapped up. So for those listening that really don't understand the process, just talk a few key words there. So we're talking about exchange, unconditioned, mm -hmm. unconditional, sorry, settlement. What's the process? Yeah. Um, so exchange of contracts, there's two ways that we can do it, um, which is when uh, you're signing the contract for the property, which takes it takes it off market if you're the purchaser. Um, one is with a cooling off period. Uh, the vendor doesn't have the right to a cooling off period. Once the vendor signs a contract exchanges, they're locked in. Uh, the purchaser's the only one has got the right to a cooling off period whilst they do things like pest and building reports, attain loan approval. Uh, the standard's five days, but at the moment it's getting pushed out to sort of 10 just with the banks at the moment. Uh, so that's one with a cooling off period. Uh, the other one is an unconditional exchange, uh, whereas you don't sign an exchange contract 
contracts until you've done your pest and building reports, you've got finance, you've gone through the contract with your conveyancer. And then what we would do is we would exchange contracts with a 66W. That's a certificate that waives the purchaser's rights for a cooling off period. So once we do that, both vendor and purchaser are locked into the contract. And then we work towards our settlement date, which is the date that the purchasers get the keys for the property and the date that the vendor needs to have vacated. Okay, and that's usually about six weeks, isn't it? Yeah, the standard six weeks. Um, they can be shorter, but depending on whether vendors and sellers' banks are involved. Okay. Hmm. And if I've exchanged a contract, there's a five-day cooling off. If I pull out because I discover the place is full of termites or something happens, do I lose some money as a purchaser? Yeah, as a purchaser, to take the property off the market, there's a 0.25% deposit that you need to pay. Uh, that's held with the agent whilst during that cooling off period. Should you uh, rescind during that cooling off period because you're not happy with pest and building reports or you don't get loan approval or you've just changed your mind, you do unfortunately forfeit that deposit to the vendor. That's for their time for having the property off the market. So, yes, um, the vendor is locked in with you during that cooling off period, um, but it prevents the property being sold to somebody else. So if somebody comes and makes a higher offer, uh, the vendors can't accept that. So that's just the risk the purchaser takes whilst they're in that cooling off period. Uh, majority of the time, uh, even if there is something uh, wrong with the pest and building report, we can negotiate uh, the vendors might uh, agree to have the termites uh, treated and any damage repaired. Uh, so there is a bit of negotiation that we can go on. But if the purchaser doesn't want to proceed at all, uh, yeah, you would fall for the 0.25% okay. deposit. And what's the most common thing that turns up in a contract that buyers change their mind or makes them think twice about going ahead with the property? Um Unless it's an issue with a pest and building report, um, it could be someone buying uh, vacant land or a property um, and the zoning or there's restrictions on there that prevents them building the home that they want. Um, the Or it could be in a flood or bushfire area. A mm -hmm. uh, purchaser buying vacant land and they're wanting to build a two-storey home, there could be a restriction on there to say that they can only build a single-level home so it may not suit them. Or they've got ideas to purchase a home um, but there's a sewer main running in the backyard and they want to put a pool in there, they wouldn't be able to do it. So, yeah, there's a few things that can pop up. So when I'm going through a home and you ask the agent for a contract, I get that contract and I've always called you mm -hmm. and said, can you take a look at this? And I've done it quite a lot, I'm no, sorry. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> and never bought the house. Um, but it does pay because that's, mm. you know. We can have a quick look at it and I'll do like just point um, blanks. Uh, a couple over the weekend, people just email me contracts that they looked at properties on the weekend. I just sit down, review it and just do a quick point back um, to them as well, especially if they're wanting to sign a contract that day uh, with the real estate agent. Just give them a quick feedback what's on the property yeah. and then that way they can give me a call back and discuss anything further uh, should something arise in there that they're worried about. What's the most obscure thing you've ever been asked to either put in or take out of a contract? Ooh, um, I've asked for a letterbox to be marked as an exclusion because it was a wedding present. Um, that was a different thing. And we've also had, I think it was like a fruit tree in the front yard. Um, there are that people that have been given trees or plants and they actually want to take it with them to their next home. Okay. Um, that's probably about the only sort of... Obscure. Obscure, yeah, nothing too... Nothing too crazy? Yeah, nothing too crazy. 
Um, and do contracts change state to state? So if I'm buying in Queensland or Victoria, we're currently in New South Wales. Yes. Yeah, each state um, has different convincing legislations, which is unusual. We can still, uh, now with electronic settlements, we can do interstate settlements. Um, so if I've got a client selling in New South Wales but buying in Melbourne, I can line them up to settle simultaneously. Um, but unfortunately, as a licensed conveyancer, I'm only licensed to act in properties in New South Wales, um, so I can't act in any other state. Okay. And vice versa? Yeah. So if I'm living in Queensland, I need a Queensland... Yeah, so there are certain um, solicitors that can do interstate, um, but, yeah, they'd have to be familiarised with each state's legislation. And do they actually change that much that you need? Different conveyances. Yeah. yeah. Wow, okay. Mm. Um, now, everyone's really emotional. I know I am when I'm buying and selling. Um Everything's urgent and deals go back and forth many times and you're the gatekeeper and we talked about managing your diary but does that affect you because the emotions are really high mm. and they're really low and they're selling their family home of 40 years or their first home buyers or mm. someone's died it's mm. how does that affect you with those emotions do you um, you try and be there for the uh, client and understand what they're going through. It is a huge investment um, and also uh, it can be a quite, it can be a sad time for some people that are selling their home as well, um, but also a very happy and emotional time for first-time buyers. Um, so I, I just sort of uh, listen to them. Uh, there's sometimes that they can get very upset uh, and angry at times if certain things aren't going um, our way. Uh, but just be there for them, listen to them and try and be calm. If I remain calm and chat to them, uh, that sort of sort of keeps the clients calm as well. If I start getting stressed or anxious or uh, not speaking to them quite calmly, well, that's going to sort of show off to them as well. Are you allowed to be the conveyancer for both buyer and seller on the same property? Uh, I generally don't like to no um i have been ref like uh, people have wanted to use me on both um i'm fortunate that i've got um my business partner another licensed conveyancer on board as well that we've worked together for 16 years if the clients are okay with that i would like well, one and for the other i've done it before but both clients have had to sign authorities to do so uh if anything sort of uh, starts going wrong we would have to refer them away but yeah I have had clients that have both been happy to use me but no it's not it's not ideal because um, conflicts can yeah. can arise and um, I have to ask how has COVID changed the industry for you um, obviously it was a little bit quiet to start off with uh, but the world has changed uh, we've gone through more DocuSign has um, become uh, available on more contracts. Um, uh, there's systems that have been adopted to do uh, electronic verifications of identity. Uh, so the programs that we use, they've stepped up and been able to um, offer us uh, other options so we don't have to meet clients face-to-face. -face. There are other ways around it uh, with DocuSign and electronic verification of identity. So we've got through it because a lot of people still want to buy and sell during these times. Um, so, yeah, it's helped that we've been able to have those facilities available. So has it sped up the process? Definitely, I think so, yeah. yeah. How does it go with the older generation? Yeah, the older generation, I uh, do offer mobile conveyancing. Um, so as long as they're happy, I'll still go out with them, sit down and go through the paperwork with them. 
Uh, a lot of people don't have access to um, printers or scanners, so if they do need to print something out or they want to sit down and go through it, it does make it difficult. Um, and first aid buyers as well. I think it's important to sit down with them to go through everything. Um, they want to know what they're signing as well. So I do uh, make a point of going and seeing those clients, arranging appointments or going through th- with them over the phone in detail if we're not unable to meet face-to-face. Yeah, okay. And talking about exchanging contracts, what's the? it's normally six weeks. Mm-hmm. What's the quickest, the absolute quickest you've ever exchanged a contract? Uh, look, I've done an exchange and settlement on the same day. Um, if there's no banks involved, it can be done quickly. So if you've got a cash buyer and the vendor doesn't have a mortgage, uh, it can be done very quickly. So it can be done within a week, two weeks. Um, I can do a, a very quick settlement, but it's generally depending on the It's all on up the banks. to banks, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. And what's one thing you wish clients would do and what's a common mistake they always make? It would probably be just uh, when purchasing, um, making sure you've got your pre-approval in place. Um, yeah, some people sort of go and look at properties before they've gone and... Um, seen a bank or a broker just to work out um, their borrowing capacity before they've fallen in love with a home. Um, other than that, no. Because it's changed, well, it, I don't think it's changed a lot, but you're really unaware. You, you look at, say, your income, your partner's income, and you think, oh, you hop mm. on your little mortgage calculators that the banks provide. But the amount of dependence you have, mm-hmm. it changes dramatically. With the, Yeah, the banks have tightened up a lot as well. So they, they're very thorough going through your bank statements. Um, so, yeah, if you're a gambler or Netflix or, yeah. yeah. So they're going through everything with a fine-tooth comb. But uh, the process is a little bit slower. That's got to do with COVID as well. Um, so, yeah, if you are looking at purchasing, um, yeah, tighten up the bank a little bit. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, definitely go and see a bank or a broker okay. um, before you go find and the dream of your homes. Lastly, how you do a lot of deals. How many are you usually doing at once? In, a, in, a, in say, in a, in a general week, how many properties would you have uh, coming in and going out? Yeah, generally coming in and out. Like a full-time conveyancer can uh, roughly manage between sort of 50, 60 files full-time um, at, at a stage. Um, but, yeah, generally we have enough, like coming in and going out exactly the same amount but yeah it can can get busy so what apps or programs do you use that are just instrumental in well i've always used a convincing program the one i'm using at the moment um is smokeball uh, but it's yeah, specifically designed for conveyancing which is good couldn't live without it not at the moment no <laughs> definitely not <laughs> definitely not thank you so much for coming in today no you're very welcome it's been a pleasure thank you for having me okay I hope you found today's chat with Carly Ford from Experts in Conveyancing helpful. As usual, we'll pop all the links and recommendations in our show notes. You can listen to this podcast, which drops every Wednesday, wherever you get your podcasts from. Today's episode was mixed and mastered by Kieran Christie and hosted by me, Carly Eldridge. Bye for now. Heritage Media.